Welcome, everybody, to this edition of the Rancho Cordova Sports Podcast. We're broadcasting today from the new and improved California Capitol Film Office over at the Old Mills Winery Building, just off Folsom Boulevard near Bradshaw Road. And today we'll be talking with one of Cordova High School's really finest female and track and cross-country stars. If you are into running or cross-country, then the next hour is going to be well worth the investment, especially if you are still in school or a young person, young athlete. It's going to be well worth your time. Born and raised right here in Rancho Cordova, our guest took up running with her dad while swimming for the Cordova Blue Marlins. As a youth, she ran in her first Junior Olympics as a 12-year-old, named an All-American while running with the Buffalo Chips Youth Running Club. Our guest has had her name emblazoned on the all-time Cordova High School list in the 800-meter, mile, and 3,200-meter runs. In 2002, she was the first female in Cordova High School history to ever qualify for the state championship meet for cross-country. And in 2021, she was unanimously selected to the Rancho Cordova Sports Hall of Fame. Quite a resume. Erin Walker, please welcome to the show. Hello, thank you. Make me feel so good about myself. <laughs> Do you remember all that stuff? <laughs> Some of it, yeah. <laughs> it's been a while. It, absolutely. We're going to get into a, a lot of your major accomplishments, Erin, in track and cross country, but I want to start someplace that I know is very special to you, and that is your family. Yeah. Now, I got to ask you, you grew up in Rancho Cordova right here, but your family has an extraordinary connection to the city. <laughs> And in particular, Cordova High School. So tell us about this special connection. Uh, so my mom was also born and raised here in Rancho Cordova. She is one of seven children, um, all of which have graduated from Cordova High School. And I'm one of four children, and all of us also uh, went to and graduated from Cordova High School. So, so. you've got 11 family members yeah. that graduated from Cordova. Mm -hmm. As I was sharing with Aaron beforehand, at her next reunion, if there is an award for the most family members having graduated from Cordova High School, you would win it hands down. <laughs> 11. That is fabulous. Now, yeah, your dad is Jim Walker, who coached mm -hmm. track and cross country yes. at, at Cordova High yep. School. He didn't graduate. No, he's uh, from the East Coast. He's, he's from New Jersey. But he and my mom met here in Rancho Cordova when he was stationed uh, when the Mather Air Force Base was still open. Well, everything starts with mom and dad. So I got to ask you, how did your parents meet? Um, they were actually at a party, they said. Um, <laughs> my dad was there with one of my mom's friends, but saw my mom and was like, I want that one. <laughs> and so they started hanging out and uh, they married young. They got married. My mom was 18. Um, since my dad was in the military, he was getting deployed over to Korea. So they married and she went with him. And your mom was uh, Teresa Wilson. Yes. Cordova High School graduate, mm -hmm. of course. Yep. That's uh, that's fabulous. Married in 1983. Now, I got to ask you, your mom right now is still working. Yes. She yeah. is a nurse, I mm -hmm. believe. Yeah, at Kaiser. She's going to retire in a couple months. Great. Yeah. Now, does she go to nursing school here? Uh, American River College. Yeah. She went to American River College. She was a stay-at-home mom while we were little. And then about third grade, she went back to school and got her nursing degree. Um, how she did it with four little children. Bless her heart. I don't know how she did it, but she did. And she's been working as a nurse ever since. And then coming up on retirement here soon. Well, it wasn't just four little children. It was three of them, I know, were, were athletes. Now, <laughs> Colleen, I know mm -hmm. your younger sister, was a yeah. swimmer as well. Uh, she also did. She was a thrower at uh, Cordova High School as well in track and field. Is that right? Uh -huh. That That is fabulous. Folks, we're talking with Erin Walker, one of the top female stars in uh, Cordova High School history. 
Now, growing up in Rancho Cordova, you went and graduated from uh, Rancho Cordova Elementary School and went mm -hmm. to Mitchell yeah. Middle School. Mm -hmm. Go Marauders. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, a lot of our guests uh, were Mills graduates. I think you might be the first one from Mitchell. Even oh, back yeah. then, was there a lot of rivalry between the two schools? Oh, yeah. And especially with my year, we were kind of the last grade that could choose middle school or elementary school for sixth grade. Um, and... Uh, some half of my friends went to Mills, half went to Mitchell, and so I had a really hard decision because there's my little group of friends. Half of them were going to Mills, half were going to Mitchell. My older sister was at Mitchell, but ultimately I decided to go where my older sister went and went to Mitchell Middle School. So you actually had a choice. Mm -hmm. My mom gave me the choice. Yeah. Oh wow. Because we where we lived, you know, we could kind of go either one, but I chose Mitchell, so I don't regret it. That's fabulous. <laughs> well, the Mitchell has a great reputation in their own right. Uh, yeah. In a in a wide variety of sports. Now, you were a swimmer for a while. In yes. fact, i got to show you something. There's a grapevine uh -oh. story dated August 1st, 2001. Really? All right. There's two stories here side by side. The first story you're going to notice has a headline that reads, Marlins shine at championship weekend. Yeah. The second story, chips leave mark at Junior Olympics. Oh, no. Aaron, you're in both stories. <laughs> you won the bronze in the IM for swimming. And a few days before that, all you did was finish sixth in the girls' 3,000-meter run, establishing a personal best. Oh, by the way, you were named an All-American for that. Yeah. Okay, so wow. what's the deal? <laughs> I mean, you're in both stories. Oh, I did not. I This is the first I'm actually seeing of this, but uh, that brings back memories where I would uh, – I my team practiced at Cordova at the pool, and then my the Buffalo Chips practiced at Cordova at the track. And so I'd go to school, go to the swim practice – get out about 20 minutes earlier, change, run down the, the street to the track and do track practice a couple times a week and then go home and do homework and then come back the next day and do it all over again. But, do it all. So repetition yeah. and routine is a big part of your training, big yes. part of your life. Yeah. It's not often that we have a, a swimmer and also a cross-country track star. At some point, yeah. you had to make a choice between the two. I did, and that happened right about high school because the track season and swim season are the same we know before I was doing year-round swimming, um, but at Cordova, I never got to swim for the Cordova uh, Lancers. My older sister did. She swam, I think, all four years, but uh, I had to choose either track or swimming, and I just loved track and cross-country way more, so I chose that. And then just did the summer uh, the summer league until I aged out with the Marlins and then actually the Gold River Stingrays as well. Right. But, and part of the reason that you chose track is uh, your dad. Uh, yeah. Obviously. Yeah. Uh, Jim was a big influence in your life. Uh, tell us about that fork in the road and the fact that you took running yeah. on the uh, on the right fork. So he was actually also the coach of the Buffalo Chips youth team. Um, so he got me into running when I was nine. He was training for Ironmans and marathons and all that kind of stuff. And I used to ride my bike with him carrying a backpack with water in it. And he said one day I asked to go for a run. And he's like, you kept asking, you kept asking. So he finally let me in where our street was right behind Rancho Cordova Elementary. There was a circle that was about a quarter mile. So he's like, go run a lap. He's like, then you ask the next day and the next day and the day after that and the day after that and the day after that. And he's like, finally, I just, you know what, let you run every single day. And then we did um, the run to feed the hungry down by Sac State. I think it was 1997. And I think that might have been maybe my first 5K or first couple 5Ks. Um, and I ended up placing second in my age group and the girls who placed first and third were both going to Junior Olympics that year. And so we're waiting for the award ceremony and they approach me and say, we want you to join our team. And 
at that time I was still very much committed to swimming and I said, I can't, I swim. And my dad's like, you know, maybe we should rethink this a little bit. What do you think? Let's try it out. And so um, I remember how it all happened, but started training with them. And then that following year, 1998, went to my first Junior Olympics with uh, the Buffalo Youth, uh, Buffalo Chips youth team. I was so. going to ask you about your first 5K that you competed in. Yeah. That may have been it. Is that something, were you nervous? Do you remember the first time you went um, out? I know it's a little different with swimming, yeah. obviously, but what was what was going through your mind, that first race that you had? You know, I don't really remember a lot. Yeah. I mean, it, at that time, Run to Feed the Hungry was maybe a couple hundred people. It was still so small. Right. Um, but then, you know, after, because at that time I wasn't really competitive with running. It was just, we were going to do it with my family and it just turned out to be a really great race. Um, so that was kind of the, really the turning point that really got me into my competitive running career. Cause I don't think I had even thought about competing seriously until those girls approached me. Um, you know, her both are still local as well. I don't know if you ever heard Katie Briscoe. She went to McClatchy high school and Rachel Ritchie, who went to oh, sure. Sheldon High School, I believe, and they're still both local in the area, too. Do you still keep in touch with mm-hmm. some? Yeah. Mostly just Instagram, Facebook type of stuff. But, yeah, I just, um, you know, Katie messaged me just the other day. And so just kind of short thing. They both got kids and families, and so we're all grown up now. And it's kind of weird to think back this far now to when it all began to now, how old are we, 20-plus years later, and we're all still... Just doing our own thing. It's great. That is neat. And, of course, uh, your family we talked about before, all Cordova grads. Did a lot of – any of them run with you, compete with you? My family? Mm-hmm. Um, no, my brother's actually a phenomenal runner, but he liked racing more than he liked training. And so he didn't really – can. so he, him and my little sister actually were part of the youth chips um, and went to Junior Olympics and all the, the cross-country and track meets. Um, and then Colleen was really phenomenal at soccer. So she kind of went that route. My brother just was like, I'm interested in other things. And he didn't really compete anymore. And then my older sister, he said she swam for Cordova. She did track in middle school. She was a hurdler, really good volleyball player, but then also kind of just sports sort of faded out of her life well. As well. I bet uh, you sisters probably gave your brother a little jazz over yeah, that, didn't you? Yeah, poor kid. <laughs> <laughs> we weren't very nice to him as kids. You know, he was definitely outnumbered. Yeah, well, most definitely. Yeah. I'm sure he learned quickly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he had to. Survival of the fittest in our family. <laughs> you know, while you were at Mitchell, I know those were great years, but one thing that kind of caught my attention you timed out at 513 which broke the mile record at the sacramento meet of champions you Mm -hmm. did this as a ninth grader yes according to press reports yeah uh besting a field of much older people now that's pretty unusual at least it was back then is this something that you trained for relative Um, to uh the other the other events no, actually, I preferred the two-mile over the mile. Yeah. I, was, I was much better at the two-mile. Um, but, you know, those were the two longest distances. And 800 meters, the half-mile was – I was not good <laughs> Not even close. You know, these girls were running low 220s or under 220, and I think my fastest was maybe 228. I just – I don't have a lot of speed in my running, but I have a lot of strength. So the longer the race, the better for me. So I was more in favor of the two-mile. But um, – that race I, I still remember very vividly because it was one of those races that everything just kind of fell into place. And I had actually broken the mile record a couple weeks prior at Granite Bay, but it was by maybe a tenth or two of a second. And I told my dad and the head coach, who was Steve Davis at the time, I was like, I don't want to count it. I don't think that's really beating 
the mile record, so I don't want to. I don't want that to be it. And then at Meet of Champions, I was where I count as I broke the record because right. it was a significant amount. Where a couple tenths to me, I was like, ah, that's not. It's not good enough. <laughs> You took home, again, according to press reports, eight All-American medals in track and field and cross-country mm-hmm. and then set the the, uh, the mile record at Cordova High School, records mm-hmm. that have yet to be equaled. What What is the difference between training for, say, a cross-country meet and some track and field events? Um, cross-country you do, since it's the, each course is different, there's hills and terrain where the track is flat. You know what the course is. It's predictable. You work on a lot more speed in track. Um, cross country was more my forte because it's more strength based. You know, you've got it's a longer race. It's a 5K, uh, sometimes two mile, but mostly 5Ks were the race distance where my track topped out at two miles. So you had to do a little bit more mileage in cross country, more hill repeats. Um, you know, runs on hillier courses to build that kind of strength there. So, you know, cross country season, we would actually drive over to, um, you know, where uh, Bob's Cycle Center is on like Sunrise and Fair Oaks. Oh, yeah. Or uh-huh. Pennsylvania Avenue is what it's called at right. the bottom there. We would drive to the end of Ambassador. It was about a mile or two down to the parking lot, um, you know, where you get in to kind of float the river, cross the footbridge, and it's the bottom of Pennsylvania Avenue, and the team would do hill repeats up there. I know it well. As yeah. a kid, we used to float down the river and yeah. into Clifton's Cove and there you go. some of the other places. Now, cross-country, you competed at uh, Brown's Ravine? Uh, did we over there? I don't know. I, I know, know back in the 70s, the, the teams around did that. Around Folsom Lake? No, I don't think we ever got to compete at Brown's Ravine. Sierra College was a big one. Okay. Uh, my freshman, uh, sophomore year, and then they got rid of it to build their stadium and it switched to Folsom high school was the big, the Willow Hills course behind Folsom high school was the oh, big one. Okay. Um, but Sierra college was one of my favorites before they tore it down. I, we competed there in well, middle why school. Why did they tear that down? They built, um, a parking lot and a new football stadium for the college. But yeah, that was, that was one of my favorite courses because the hillier the course for me, the better, because again, cause I'm not. It's weird to say I'm not a fast runner, but you put me on hills and strength, and that's where I excel more than someone who has more speed. In terms of preparation for cross country, now mm-hmm. do you also lift weights? Is there some endurance, uh, uh, other things that you do aside from just running to train? Uh, we didn't in high school, and I don't know if that was just a timing thing or a you know equipment issue. But I know um, growing up before high school, my dad. So my dad was my coach from day one until I went to college. And then he was my coach after college as well. But he, I would go to the gym with him sometimes and do some, you know, minimal weights, core work, some leg stuff, some arm stuff, just to cut, sure. you know, the stronger you are, the less those muscles are fatiguing, the more your legs can, you know, take that, take that load. And um, so we would do some. And then in college, we definitely did uh, some weight training for both col- uh, cross country and track. That's fabulous. Yeah. We're talking with Aaron Walker, Cordova High School graduate Hall of Fame member here in the city of Rancho Cordova, always interested in the type of training that athletes do because yeah. it's different with each sport, yeah, obviously. Definitely. Diet has a, a lot to play with, especially mm-hmm. with a runner. What What is your typical regimen or what was it? Um, so back then, actually, you know, everyone, all the runners, carbo load, pasta and breads. And so we did a lot of that. But then I found out um, probably about 10 years ago now um, that – my family has celiacs that runs in our family, so I don't eat any. Unfortunately, don't eat any gluten anymore. So it's it's a sad, sad life. But <laughs> um, we've I've adapted. So it's just a lot of. I try to do mostly whole foods. So if you can go into the grocery store, 
you go to the fruits and veggie section, the meat section, I kind of stick with that stuff for the most part. I do have a really bad sweet tooth, though, I'll admit. So I'm not perfect at it. But just trying as minimal process as possible. It's a lot of just whole foods, what you can grow in the ground or I guess slaughter, if I can say that. Yeah. <laughs> kind of animals. Yeah. Kill it and grill it, right? Yeah. I mean, I did paleo for a while, and so I kind of loosely follow that because it's just, you know, meats, veggies, seeds, nuts. I know. Celiac actually is more common than a lot of people think. Yes. Uh, my daughter has it. Oh, okay. And, of course, she's got a – and she was a swimmer. Yeah. And she swam competitively for nine or ten years and then came down with celiac. So yeah. she's been watching her diet since her early 20s. So definitely yeah. – Yeah, that's about when I found out too. Yeah, it's one of those things that you don't find out about it until you're a young adult. And then, of course, you've got to alter just about everything. Yeah. And, and diet, of course, is uh, is king. Uh, I I got another nugget that I found. Okay. Uh, I want to take you back yeah, to. You're, you're really bringing it back you know, on me. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, you, you, we, we got to find some of this stuff out. I want to take you back to 2003. Okay. It was late November, maybe early December. You were running with the Buffalo Chips, and your dad was the coach, and the team was preparing for the USA Track and Field Junior Olympic Championships mm -hmm. in New Mexico. Mm -hmm. The team was so good that they had to split it into two. Mm-hmm. Two teams. The girls were ready there. They were in great shape. Several big-name athletes yeah. around the Sacramento area. Of course, you among them. And the Buffalo Chips absolutely dominated the meet. Both of the teams won their divisions, and the meet produced 10 All-Americans, including yeah. you. How in the heck was that? <laughs> that was a really fun year. Um, I don't remember. I think I was sick leading up to it, so it was a very tough race. I just remember struggling through the whole race. But seeing so many people have success, individual All-American, our team won. I think we won, well, I was there, at least four national championships in one second place. And that's, that's what, what in 2000 um, was the first time we placed as a team and we placed second. And that's kind of when the Buffalo Chips youth girls team really took off. And we started recruiting more girls from around the area. And then, you know, just national championship after we were we were kind of the – the threat to everybody after that point for years. And I think they still are even now. It's, you know, um, Joe Hartman, his daughter, went to St. Francis, was a really good friend. I grew up swimming with her. They've lived in Rancho for a really long time. Um, Katie Hartman and I grew up swimming together on the Marlins Store, actually met her. And Joe kind of became the, like, I guess it would you call the general manager of the team. And he would go and recruit these girls and be like, we want you to run for us. And so it was actually very fun to get, you know, in high school, I'm now competing against all of my teammates um, from my club team, you know, we'd see each other at every meet. And then after high school season was over, then we were all teammates again and got to go travel. And, you know, we got to go all over the country and different places and, you know, win national championships. And it was it was really fun. I I think that period of my running was like the most fun. The for Buffalo sure. Chips were commensurate with uh, Arden Hills is the swimming. Yeah. The Buffalo Chips yeah. were to running. It I, was that 100% good. agree. And it, it was fabulous, the number of, of championships that you guys had. You, you competed on the same team. You had people like Sharice McNair. She was the Division II champion out of Sierra High School, mm -hmm. dominated the intermediate, the 16-and-under yeah. intermediates. Uh, Caitlin Kroll from Lincoln High, yeah. top two finisher. Uh, Andrea Gruber uh, out of Placer yeah. High School. Placer. And uh -huh. Bethany Gardner from Del Oro. Yeah. All of them were section champions competing with Buffalo Chips. And... Just absolutely dominant. I mean, not even to mention Caitlin Chalk, who had Caitlin. the national record for the 5K for years. Lauren Mulkey. Gosh, there were so many. She, yeah, Caitlin actually uh, broke her own record twice. Yeah, <laughs> she was 
from when she joined our our club team to where she went, that growth was phenomenal. Like she was, you know, from when she joined the team, not that she was bad, but you wouldn't have expected where she went. So to see her get where she did was so fun to watch. She really, she really grew as a runner phenomenally. What is the optimum best age to run as a as a as a youth athlete that you saw the most most growth in? Yeah. Um I think I had my most successful years 2000 to 2003, kind of you know, young teen, preteen. I so think when you're 15, still just 16, kind of 16, 17 right around in there. Yeah, I think when you're still kind of naive to competition and you're still just enjoying it and I think once you become aware of other girls and competition and you start to get in your head a little bit more where you're more aware of things I think it gets a little bit harder you know to stay more focused and to just have that confidence because now you're you're getting beat more often there's more girls that are really good and it kind of shakes you a little bit so I think those young years when you're just really doing it for enjoyment and you know you kind of have no reserves I think were the most fun where I really saw the most success in my running so when Definitely. you uh, competed in a large meet, a lot of competitors, a lot of girls mm-hmm. out there, initially that can be intimidating. Yes. But after a while, you get used to it, right? Yeah, you do. Um, I, I can say I did not adapt as well as I would have liked to have when I was younger. Um, I definitely got in my head. And, you know, I'd see the roster of who's in the race and be like, oh, well, she's beat me before and she's beat me before. And so oh, I so you look. Up, I did, yeah. And, Dad, I'm sorry. <laughs> he always told me not to look. <laughs> For that reason was I would just get sort of in my head about it and, you know, be like, okay, well, these four girls have beat me, so I should expect fifth. And it's like, well, if you expect fifth, you're going to get fifth. You're not going to get first. Is that so what he would say? Yeah. And so, and he was right. He's, he's totally right. So if anyone takes anything from that, don't look at the sheets. And he'd say, it's just paper. Anything can happen game day. It's just a piece of paper. Just because their stats are better than yours doesn't mean you can't take it. I mean, look at the, you know, the USA versus Russian hockey team. They were totally the underdogs and somehow they pulled that off. So it's, you know, why beat yourself up before you even go in? So that was a big lesson. I was not good at listening to him and not looking at the sheets. I always looked and I should not have. Well, sorry, coach. Yeah. Uh, she deviated from the plan, <laughs> but I don't think it I learned my lesson, though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Jim, your dad was obviously a big influence in mm-hmm. your life. In terms of coaching and preparing you for these meets, uh, did he teach you to sprint out first or just kind of regulate and just kind of take the course as is? What was the, yeah. what was his coaching philosophy? Um, it, that's actually different for every runner. Um, we learned that I am not the type of runner to go out hard and just sort of hang on to the race. Um, I am definitely one where... He actually used to hate it when I was a kid. He'd get so afraid I was going to not. So to get to Junior Olympics, you have to go through a series of meets and make it through each one to qualify for the next one. And the final one to get to Junior Olympics, you had to be top three in the race. So not very many people got to move on to Junior Olympics. And I would start off, the gun would go off, and everyone would take off sprinting. And I'd be in the back, and he'd be like hands on head, freaking out, like, what are you doing? Like, get in the race. But... You know, they would all die off and not be able to maintain, and I would just click them off one by one and eventually get up there. And so we learned, you know, okay, like I trust her. She knows what she's doing. This is how she races better. So for me, it's going to sort of back me off a little bit, and I can maintain for a long time where other people can do the go out hard and hang on. So it's kind of different for each runner. So he would, you know, tell me one way, but, you know, maybe the next girl on my team, hey, you're better at this. You run that way. Right. So For each example, person kind of has their own race. Some coaches, some swim coaches teach you to just go out hard right from the jump. Yeah. 
others, not so much. I know Sherm Shavor, Arden Hills, taught yeah. his swimmers to go out hard. And to uh, they must have done 10, 11, 12, 13,000 yards in a, in a single practice. Yeah, I actually used to swim for them, too. Did you? For Arden Hills? <laughs> uh-huh. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, that I went competitive fabulous. for a while. So I went Blue Marlins, and Jeff Yonk was the coach at the time, and he went over to swim sack um, out when Rancho Arroyo off of Jackson Highway was still open. Mm-hmm. So we moved with him, and then uh, they kind of shut that program down. I joined CCA for a while. We had like a satellite program where all of us swim sack went, and then I went to Arden Hills. Um, but they that's when I was getting to the point of I want to start running more, and so I'd miss two days a week of practice. And they, you know, like you said, Buffalo Babes was like the Arden Hills, and they did not like you missing practice. Right. And so that's when I kind of made the decision, like, I need to go. Well, a shameless plug. So. There's a new book out by a colleague, good friend of mine, Bill George. He wrote a book, Victory in the Pool. Okay. It's about Sherm Shavor and the oh, Olympics funny. and all of it. Starts in the late 1940s, right up through the time uh, Sherm finally retired. Yeah. And it's a fascinating read. We can talk about that. But uh, Arden Hills, certainly, uh, you're no stranger there. So, no. <laughs> I, of course, you swam for Arden Hills. <laughs> I've been all over the place in this town. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Now, you also ran cross-country for Sac State. Uh, mm-hmm. In fact, you ran with two Big Sky Conference championship teams as a Hornet. Which mm-hmm. is quite a feat. How are your? Yeah. How were those years at Sac State? You know, I can honestly say I wish I had a better college career. Um, my freshman year was great, phenomenal, and then, like I said, you know, once I started learning, you know, I went in as a freshman. You have no idea who anybody is at any of the other schools, who the good people are. So you're just like, I'm going to go out and beat everybody. And then you learn who everybody is, and then I started looking at heat sheets and looking got in my own sheets. head. Yeah, I didn't listen again, Dad. Um, and I just kind of went through, we had a head coach who, if you were doing well, she was great to you. If you were doing poorly, you didn't exist. And that really didn't sit well with me. And I, I kind of, that's really old school. Yeah. And it just, I, it wasn't a, a good motivation for me. I didn't like that. It made me kind of, you know, really falter a lot and second guess. And I almost quit several times in college, but you know, I don't regret it at all because once I got out and I started running for myself, I was like, I never want to be like that again. And I started enjoying running and racing more, doing it for me versus trying to impress this head coach, you know, because that's what it became is you had to impress her to get to go to the good meets, to get the good, um, you know, to be treated like a human, really, I guess you could say. Like she was just not not my most favorite person, but it taught me stuff. And so I, you know, as, even though college wasn't, I have two championships on to part of two championship teams. I wish I could have had more credentials come out of college. Um, but I think I took my big thing from that was getting my enjoyment back. Like it taught me do this for me. Like if you're not doing it for you, why are you even doing it at all? You know, these people, I don't even talk to her anymore. I don't see her anymore. So why did I care so much about what she thought and impressing her? Like I should have run for the joy of it. Right. So well, you didn't know. I mean, she yeah. was your coach and, and uh, coaches do have a modicum of, of respect. Yeah, so I mean, she's, I, you know, she her job depends on results from us. So I see the pressure she's given, and but, you know, the trickle-down effect. And it, I just didn't handle it as well as I think I, I could have or should have. Um, but I had a great time at Sac State. I had uh, actually the coach I was recruited by left before um, my freshman year. He took a job somewhere else. A new coach came in. And he was not a fan favorite either. He was a little unconventional. And he ended up leaving my sophomore year. 
had another coach come in who was absolutely amazing. Um, coach Scott Abbott, he's actually the um, director of the Sacramento Running Association now. Oh, he's okay. the head of that. Um, he was phenomenal. Like, great person, great coach. That's when the distance program at Sex 8 really started to excel. Like, we got really good athletes. He just, he really knows he was a Jesuit high school grad. He grew up in the area and uh, he was phenomenal. So, that was a really, those last two years were really, really fun. The first two years were a bit of a struggle, but. You know, you hit on something, a local guy, a local person. Yeah. How important is it to have someone local at your school that's been in the community? Um, I wouldn't say local is as important as someone who's been through your shoes or been in your shoes kind right. of thing. Um, but it is more fun having someone local. You know, he grew up here. He's got ties here. It just kind of makes all the connections more fun. You know, he, we got, I think we got Michael Stember. I don't know if you've heard Michael Stember. Sure. He brought him in one season to kind of talk to all of us because they went to Jesuit together. So I think having someone local who has those connections really provided us a lot of cool opportunities. I know there seems to be one common thread, and I've talked to a lot of coaches, a lot of athletes. Uh, for example, uh, Troy Taylor, Cordova mm -hmm. High School grad, recently mm -hmm. with Sac State, completely turned that program around. Yeah. Local kid uh, grew up here and you know, went to Bella Vista, then again, then to Cordova. So I think there's something to be said there. <clears throat> and yeah. obviously he was, he was a, he was a known quantity here. Yeah. Um, with you. Uh, Got to ask you, uh, post high school and college, you've run several marathons, mm -hmm. including the Boston Marathon twice. Yeah. You had a best time of 311 back in 2011. And then you uh, competed in the Nashville Marathon placing a third overall among yeah. women. These are big stage events. Yeah. And is that something that you eyed doing as a youth? Actually, yeah. not at all. <laughs> That's actually a really funny story. So even growing up, like I said earlier, the longer the race, the better for me. And my dad saw that very early on. He always said, you're going to run marathons. And I'm like, 26 miles, you're out of your mind. There's no way. Who does twenty six miles? Exactly. I was. That's what I kept saying. I'm like, no, heck no. I'm not doing that. I don't want. I don't want any part of it. But as soon as my senior year at Sac State was done, it was the first time in my, you know, real life. You know, I had been running since I was nine. I had a team. I had the Buffalo Chips. We had nationals every year, and then I had high school. We had the state meet for cross country and track, and then I had college. And you had, you know, conference championships and national championships to go towards. You, I had something. And then I got out of college and was like, what the heck do I do now? Like, what, what is next? Like, I don't know what to do. And I remember calling my dad and said, dad, let's run the Boston Marathon. And there was probably 10 seconds of silence before he was said, are you serious? <laughs> and then he just started laughing. He was like, I knew it. And when so, you said let's, did he assume you wanted him to run too? Yeah, because he was still, he was a runner this whole time, even though he, he coached a lot, but he ran himself. He would race 5Ks. We used to run together all the time, actually, um, training on the weekends and stuff. And over summer, he and I would go for runs after he got off work pretty much every day. Um, we would actually, I don't know if you've ever seen the movie of Steve Prefontaine. Oh, absolutely. So, you know, he yeah. runs to the end of uh, every end, the end of every run. He runs and hits his mailbox waiting for his letter. Yep. And so we started, you could always feel it the last mile of our run. No, it, nothing was spoken, but you'd, you'd feel the other pace starting getting faster and faster. And then as soon as we would turn down our street and you could see the house, it was just full on sprint to our mailbox after every run from that Did movie. You tap it? Yeah. You always had to hit it and whoever could get to it first. Um, Did you beat him? I started to, yeah. He loved it, but he hated it. <laughs> he was like, the best day was when you beat me, but also now my, my kid is beating me. Like, dang it. But it made it fun, you know, and so he was coaching. He was running. 
And uh, he had done marathons before. And so I was like, let's do Boston. He was like, are you serious? Like, he couldn't believe I was saying this. And I'm like, yeah, like, I don't know what's next. So marathons actually were never, even my last year of college, not even on my radar until I graduated and was like, I have no idea what to do now. I've always had something. So how was it preparing for the Boston Marathon? Um, kind of, It's fun. It's actually, so I ran, you have to hit, hit a qualifier. And so my... I had to do an extra semester of uh, college, so I graduated in the fall because of my major. I had so many labs I couldn't always take. I think I had like three or four credits. I had to I had one or two classes my my last semester to be able to graduate. Um, but because I was a kinesiology major and most of my classes had lab labs, so it's like one class was really two. Uh, so my last semester at college was training for the marathon. So we would get up. He was still working at the time. And I would meet him at like 4, 4.30 in the morning, actually at the Mills track a lot. And we would do our track workouts a couple times a week. And then uh, ran the California International Marathon that starts here in Folsom to the Capitol for my qualifying marathon. But that year, Boston filled before I could get my qualifying race done. So he got to run Boston the following year. So I had to go watch, which was actually, now that it's not happening in retrospect, it was very fun. Because now I've got to go to Boston both as a spectator and as an athlete. So I got to experience both sides. And it's it's both, it's so fun both ways. It's one of the most fun marathons I've ever run. I mean, you've got a sea of humanity. Yeah. The whole town is off because it's on a, a Monday. It's a holiday down out there. It's a Patriots Day. So everybody's off work. The streets from the start line to the finish are Packed. I had my headphones in and didn't hear a single song. I don't know why I kept it in the whole time. It's so loud. Everyone's so excited. It is so much fun. The most painful marathon I've ever run, but also the most fun. And so uh, that first year, I got to experience the finish line, which is just really cool because everybody has bells. So when the winners come through, it's like they're doing the wave. So you hear the bells as they turn onto Boylston, and then it gets really loud as they go by, and then it gets quiet again, and the next person comes, and it's really loud, and then it gets really loud when it goes by you, and then it's quiet again. And then once the masses come, it's just chaos. It's everyone screaming, and it's just so fun. So then that was really cool to like, okay, I cannot wait to do this race. So when registration opened, I was on it in a hot second, got got in. And uh, so then I ran it in 2011, like you said, and got to train for that with my dad again. Um, I had moved to Wyoming in 2010 and moved back that January, and so the whole time I trained with my dad. We would train really early before work um, and then went and ran and had, an, the, like I said, the most painful marathon I've ever run. I've never been more sore than the Boston Marathon. Well, sure. It was pretty. Now, what brought you to Wyoming? Uh, actually, high school sweetheart was in the Air Force so after I graduated, moved oh, out yeah. there, and then he went to go train for Special Forces. And I was like, yeah, I'm not staying might... in Wyoming. I'm going back home. I thought it might have been the altitude in preparation for that took race. me to Colorado. Gotcha. So then I moved home for a couple years and then moved to Colorado in 2012. Um, one, my sister had just passed, so it was kind of just a fresh start, but also it's like legal blood doping at elevation training. So we went out there and trained for the Chicago Marathon that I ran in fall of 2012 when I first broke three hours in the marathon. Right. I was going to yeah. get to that yeah. next. Oh, sorry. You took the word. Jump the gun. Quite, that's, quite, <laughs> that's quite all right. I want to talk about the Chicago Marathon. This is mm -hmm. after a year after mm -hmm. the Boston. Mm -hmm. uh, what, yes. How much yeah. difference was there between the two relative to training and the actual 
marathon itself? Um, so training is a little different in Boston is actually a pretty hilly course. So you have to kind of take that into account and do more hill work where Chicago is a pretty flat and fast course. Like it's a known fast course. Um, so that's where I had run the Marine Corps marathon fall of, I think that was fall of 2011. And I think it was fall. Oh, definitely. It was in October, but I don't remember. It It had to be 11 and I missed breaking three hours. It was like three flat and 30 seconds or something like that. Like I was so close to it. Um, And so we were like, okay, let's do Chicago. It's flat. It's fast. So we went, I moved to Colorado, trained there, came to Chicago and just had probably my best marathon. I've negative split the race, which means the second half was faster than the first half. Never done that. That's unusual. Yeah. It's unheard of in a marathon, but I, I was just with altitude training. I had prepared really well. Like training was, I always went into every marathon feeling like you know, I'd done all the work. I never questioned my training going in um, and just started off and just felt, I was like, this is the day. Like, this is, this is the day. So you just knew I just, inherently. It, a few miles in, I was like, you know what? This is, this is going to work out. And then ran 258 flat. And I think it negative split by uh, 24 seconds, something like that. So nothing, phen- you know, insane. But you, like you said, it's unheard of to really negative split, which is crazy as I went back to Chicago a second time. I did negative split this time, but I wrote, ran dead even halves, like exactly. I ran 250, 54, I think, and it was like 125 for both of my halves. Well, that's So Chicago is my favorite course. <laughs> yeah. Uh, going back to Chicago or Boston, is that something that you want to do? Um, I've do done both twice. So I went back to Chicago, or excuse me, Boston in 2014, the year after the bombings. Right. Um, and then we went to Chicago again for when I was started training, when I finally said, you know what, I'm not half bad at these. Let's go for the Olympic trials, Mark. So that's why we went back to Chicago um, was to try to do that. But uh, I would do Boston again, I think. I'm not running as much now. I kind of kept getting a string of injuries and just needed a mental break. Um, but I would do – Boston's just so fun. I would do it again. You know, a career like yours, Aaron's, doesn't go perfectly, and you no. mentioned injuries. Mm-hmm. What's the biggest injury that you've had? I got a stress fracture in my femur, or stress reaction, which is a precursor to a stress fracture, which kind of came out of nowhere. We were uh, we parked down um, on sunrise on the bike path, you know, right there along the river, and I got up to go jog to the restroom right before we took off, and I got this really sharp pain in my hip. I was like, oh, that's weird. It'll loosen up. Let's just go for the run. And we were doing 20 or 21 miles that day. And I just, I didn't, I'd never had anything. I actually have been very, very lucky that I went so long without any major, you know, like kind of a groin injury here and there, but something I could always run through. But this one, I couldn't even put weight on my leg. So Um, you knew right off that something had happened? uh, No. (laughs) Because I had never really had any major issues, I thought, oh, it'll just loosen up as we start running. You know, but it felt like the first step when I jogged to the bathroom, like a nail and a hammer right into my thigh. But I was like, oh, weird. <sighs> but it wasn't as intense as I would have imagined a stress reaction to be. But a few miles in, I was like, okay, this isn't loosening up. And the second half of the run was supposed to be at goal marathon pace. So you kind of run it goal pace when you're tired to get used to like the end of the, the race. And I'm like, man, this is this is not good. Like my body is just screaming to stop, but I just kept saying, you're fine. Of course it's screaming to stop. You're running race pace at the end of a 20 mile run. 
but with maybe two miles to go, I was like, this is So you were hurt, knew it, yet you continued on. Uh, yeah, because I thought, that's... you know, I was like, no, you're just being a baby. Just keep running. You're just, you're, of course, your body's screaming to stop. You're tired. But then with about two miles to go, I was like, this is, this is something else. Like, my body's telling me, like, yo, really, you need to stop. So I stopped, tried to stretch it out, and uh, just kind of jogged in the last two miles. because like, I got to get back to the car. But went to um, results physical therapy right over here. And he did some manual manipulation. And I was still having pain. And he's like, you know, I hate to tell you this, but I really think this is in your bone. So I had to go get an MRI and confirmed I had a stress reaction. So I couldn't run my race that year. Had to wait a whole other year. And then I got a hip, uh, hip issue, like a strain the next year. So and I, I think I had MRIs the exact same day, one year apart on different legs. One for the femur. The next one was a um, like a hip hip flexor strain or they never really totally diagnosed it but I had a manual car at the time and I couldn't even lift my foot to do the clutch like it hurt so bad so that happened the next year and then I had a plica knee injury and I was like you know what this is just year after year my so body's just not hanging up another after another yeah. so how long did it take you to really fully recover from all these um the femur was about six to eight weeks which was good the the stress fracture um you know bone is actually the better thing to be injured than tendon or ligament because they take so much longer to heal the hip flexor took a while and even now there's some residual issues with it um but i would only do two marathons a year so if i missed one it was like a whole year apart until you could do the next one you know and so then i tried again in 2018 to run the california national marathon and by far the best shape of my life and october hit and hip injury I'm like why is this october month is not my not my friend Stay away from <laughs> yeah. Marathon. yeah so exactly. i'm like oh my gosh like what is and that one was was really really bad um but i was like you know what this is the best shape i've ever been in let's try this marathon you know it was pr- shaping up to be a perfect day there was they had a pacer for the olympic trials mark there was 50 plus girls who all were coming to this race to try to um qualify for the Olympic trial. So I had a huge pack to run with, you know, and running with a pack versus running with a few people is a game changer. And it's so much better when the more people you have. So I'm like, you know what? I want to go for it. And so we tried and I had to drop at mile like 16. It was oh. just too painful and had already fallen off the pace. And at that point I had to make the decision, okay, do I, do I feed my ego and finish? So I don't have a DNF next to my name, you know, do not finish. Or do I salvage whatever I have left of my career and stop this right now and not make do any more permanent damage. And so I decided to stop. It's like, it's, it's just a race. It's not, it's not, if I want to continue training for Olympic trials, then I need to put my ego down and, and pull out. And so I did about 16, 16 and a half miles. And that was probably the best decision because the, the car came and picked me up. And when they dropped me and my dad, I couldn't lift my leg anymore and had to be carried to the car. And so, you know, as embarrassing as that was, I was like, you know what? This confirms I made the right decision. Career is more important than my ego right now, and so. Sure. But I haven't run one since, so I don't know which if it really saved it or not. But at that point, it was just like, okay, these last three four years have just been injury after injury. Time to just take a second and step back. You know, it was taking the joy out of it. You know, and from what I had learned in college, it was like if I'm not enjoying it, why are we here? So I had to kind of. Had some deep talks with myself. That was a little bit of a rough time because running had been my whole life, my identity really for 20 plus years at that point. 
So at that point, did you stop and think perhaps, you know, maybe in a couple of years, I'll do another marathon. I'll go for the Olympics again. Or did any of these things flash in your mind? Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. I had started to kind of dabble in CrossFit um, and I was really enjoying that. But, you know, running was still my love. So I was like, you know what, let's just let's take a step back. Start working out here. When the joy comes back, we'll go again. Um, but the the big tough decision was the Olympic trials. And do I want to continue racing at this level? And ultimately, I actually came up with the answer was no. Um, I, I don't I don't know if I'll go for the Olympic trials again. I mean, who knows? I could start running again and be, you know, be like, you know what? Yeah, I am going to try. But right now, I think I'm just enjoying being able to compete without the pressure of being perfect, you know, because to hit the Olympic trials, like you have to have a pretty perfect race. I know there's plenty of girls who can say like, it's, it's a lot of training. I don't get, I, you know, put everything I love on the back burner. I mountain bike. I used to rock climb a lot. And just to avoid injury, I didn't do any of that. You know, I don't go out and have any drinks with friends and which I don't drink much anyway. But, you know, that lifestyle is water, food, sleep, work, workout, go to bed. And uh, I was like, I just kind of got to the point. I was like, I want to enjoy life a little bit more. I've been doing this for so long. I've had a very successful career and I'm not enjoying training for the Olympic trials. So, again, why am I here? You know, I had to get pretty existential with myself and be like, what's what is it going to do other than check the box? Um, but it was that question of myself. Am I giving up on my goal because it's too hard or am I truly not enjoying? And I wrestled with that for a long time because I don't like quitting on anything. And I felt like I was quitting a little bit, but it ultimately kept coming back to I'm not having fun anymore. So this is a fascinating discussion, folks. We're here with Erin Wachter, Cordova High School, star female athlete. She has met the fork in the road, <laughs> uh, so to speak. Much like a swimmer, you reach that point and yeah. you talked about you have to run the perfect race just like you have to swim the perfect race. Yeah. And, you know, some of the greats like Jeff Float and. Debbie Meyer, Mark Spitz all had to race that perfect race. And, of course, it's the same way with, with, with running. Uh, you're still close to your dad. Yes. Obviously. Yeah. Do, do you talk to him every day? Yeah. I actually uh, was actually asked him if he wanted to do – he still lives in Rancho Cordova. I uh, asked him if he wanted to do dinner after today, and he turned me down. Oh. Well, he's golfing with my sister, so. Well. We we reschedule for tomorrow. So, I'll, yeah, but uh, just swam, actually swam laps, laps with him on uh, Father's Day. So he's he's still doing Ironman and still he, not running as much because he's he's the injury prone one. If we're, I think I get it from him, but now did he or you or both of you ever compete in the Epi's Great Race? I think he did. I never got a chance to. I we always would talk about it and just never put a relay together. But I'm pretty sure he did a couple of the years. Yeah, I always really wanted to. It sounded so fun. I know some of my college teammates did. Yeah, it was fabulous. Uh, had been here for years, Year, as like, you know. Yeah. Epi's, uh, Epi Johnson. Uh, I was pretty Epi. bummed when they they started. They said that they weren't going to do it anymore. It's too bad. That was a highly popular race, yeah. not just here, but throughout the entire country. Yeah. There were competitors, uh, Iron Man, Iron Women divisions. This bike path uh, we have, like, I don't know if people in Rancho really understand how spoiled we are to have, you know, thirty plus miles one direction of this safe bike path where you're not running on the roads. You know, other schools when we would travel or um you know when i was on the buffalo babes and we would travel to uh junior olympics and talk to other teams they they have to run on the streets you know there's cars there's bikes there's stoplights 
not the most conducive training environment. So we are pretty spoiled here in Rancho to have this this bike path. Not a lot of people know. No, they don't. And I probably run hundreds of thousands of miles on that thing <laughs> my whole life. And it's, it's one of my favorite places to be, really. I love that bike path. The trails along the side, the bike path itself, all the little parks and you know, Cordova's right on the, we trained there every day for cross country and even for track when we would just have four, five, six mile runs, we're out on the bike path and we're pretty spoiled. I got, I think I got really lucky. You know, Sacramento, I don't know if you know, was rated top 10 running cities in the country like several times. I did not know that. Yeah. So we're pretty lucky here if you're into running. <laughs> How many times did you run the CIM? I have run that two and a half. <laughs> The one I had to drop was CIM, right. but I ran it, my first one in 2009, and then I think it was 2000, was that 2013? I think December 2013, I ran it again, either 13 or 14, and that was one of my... Was that the one they had in the rain, or one of those? No, that was uh, 2012, when okay. it was just dumping rain. So yeah. I've, I've run it the two coldest years in its history, <laughs> so... Anyone who, if I'm running it, don't run it. It'll be cold. <laughs> I seem to bring the freezing temperatures with me because it was in the 20s both years I did it. Um, but to, I'm pretty sure it's 2013 was the last year. And that was probably my college coach has actually said, he's like, that is the best race I've ever seen you run. So that one's kind of, that one holds. I had, think I had like a six and a half minute um, personal best that year and just ran a really solid, like gutted it out type of race. So that CIM holds a, a special place for me. I go most years and watch. Well, that's a nationally recognized race mm -hmm. now, too. Fastest fastest course in the West. Yep. Huge. I think it's the number one marathon with the most Olympic trials qualifiers. A lot of people come for it for that reason. So what other sports does Aaron Walker participate in? <laughs> uh, let's see. I've done a mountain bike race for fun. I'm not very good at it. But uh, now I'm mostly just, I really got into CrossFit. I think the, there's so many different movements in CrossFit that there's so many different things to get better at. We're running kind of, you can only get faster. Um, and I think that's what drew me when I was really having that sort of existential moment of like, what do I do now? I think I became to realize I just like competing and running was my outlet for that for so long because I was, you know, fairly good at it. And uh, CrossFit now, there's just so many different movements to learn that I'm really enjoying, you know, I'm not very good at it. You know, there's so many different, there's a lot of coordination. And for running, you just yeah. go one direction. <laughs> you move forward. Well, it exercises but, nearly every muscle in your body, mm -hmm. much like swimming. Yeah. Uh, of course. Yeah. Uh, we're talking with Aaron Walker, a fabulous conversation. Uh, also sits on the Rancho Cordova Sports Hall of Fame mm -hmm. selection committee. Certainly uh, uh, a uh, a plus there, and we're certainly glad to have you. It's very I, fun. You have to ask in, in terms of other sports. You talk yeah. about CrossFit. I think you mentioned one of the one of your family members plays golf. Is that something yeah. that you were maybe interested uh, in? No, I'm terrible. <laughs> <laughs> I've it's gone a, a few times. Game, yeah, yeah, I've gone a few times with my sisters. Anything, any sport ball related. My younger sister Colleen is she was basketball, soccer. She's just phenomenal. Um, so I've gone with her. She joined the army, and so anytime she'd come home, she'd go with my dad. I would go with them to hang out with her, but I'm, I usually end up picking up the ball and just throw it, just to keep up with them. I'm just not very good at it. So it's I like the driving range. I think the driving range is fun, but I'm not a good golfer. So top golf maybe. Top golf is fun. Yeah. Yes, yeah. I see. I could do that. Um, Mather Golf Course over here. We've gone in the driving range a couple times, um, but 
Yeah, I'm not very good at golf. You had mentioned earlier you majored in kinesiology. Uh-huh. Yeah, I presume yeah. you degreed in it. Mm-hmm. Is that something that uh, has applied to your current work? I know you work as a uh, an accountant, an executive assistant at an accounting firm. Yeah, so I did personal train for a while um, and then kind of run a little coaching business on the side for running, just something very casual. If people reach out and want help, I'll help them. I did it kind of seriously for a little bit. Um but it, I was still competing at the time, and I found that coaching and training became too much for me, whereas everything was vo- revolved around training and running. Like, it was my whole life was consumed by because it, it was work all day. Then it was my own training. Um, so when I moved back from Colorado, yes, Colorado, I got a job at Kaiser and was working in their administration, surgery coordinating for a while, then moved to administration and then uh, in 2021 was recruited by the tax and accounting firm as an executive assistant. And uh, I moved over there because it gave me, kind of lets me do my hobbies. It lets me train and travel and do everything that I, you know, like I had said earlier, I wanted to start enjoying other aspects of life other than sports. And this job really allows me to do that, but I still get to coach here and there. People come to me and how do I do this with running? Or I want to try to do this. What do you suggest? And I'm always so happy to give them advice like it makes me really happy when people reach out and ask about because i'm excited they're getting into running because i still love running i still love sure. watching the track meets i was just watching uh the new york grand prix that just happened over the weekend watching all the highlights and races from there and so running to me now is more something i get to enjoy from the outside versus being immersed in it but it's still something i'm very passionate about you think maybe there could be a so. full-time gig coaching uh, in your future yeah, i think yeah. someday yeah i know uh josh groover who was coaching at Cordova for a while reached out but at that point I just wasn't quite ready for that that move yet but um, I do enjoy coaching I had a a couple clients one run a marathon she ran the CIM actually and just absolutely nailed the race and it like brought tears to my eyes I was like she did so good and so to be able to share that passion in that way I think means more to me now than than my own racing at the moment if you were to give a young athlete a young runner two pieces of, of advice two things to focus in on yeah what would those be do it for yourself and do it, you know, and by yourself, I mean, do it because you enjoy it, not because you want to impress a coach or impress anybody else. Or, you know, if you don't enjoy it, I don't think it's worth your time. I think that's, that's the biggest thing. I think you have your most success when you're doing it, when you enjoy it. Like right now I'm enjoying CrossFit having huge breakthroughs at the moment. And so just really enjoying your training enjoying what you're doing you know pick it because you love it i think that's for the longevity of your career that's like the biggest thing i would say whatever it is if it's running if it's swimming if it's um golfing (laughs) whatever it is do it because you love it and two hmm, i would say well don't look at the heat sheets because it doesn't matter right dad I better throw that in there. <laughs> yes, you should. Uh, yeah. But I think he's right. I think that is a big one. It's just a piece of paper. And just because they have beaten you in the past doesn't mean they're going to beat you at this race. And don't count yourself out before the race even. I mean, I'm still learning this lesson. Even last year, I was competing in a, a huge CrossFit competition. And the opening weight for one of the events was way over the most I've ever lifted. And instead of going in and being like, you know what? I'm going to give it a shot if I fail. I fail if I don't, even better. But I was such a head case about it and um, obviously missed the lift and then 
saw photos and video later and I was so close, but because I had beaten myself before the event even started, I didn't give myself a chance. So that's my next biggest one is give yourself a chance and just believe, and I know it sounds so cliche, but believe you can do it and give yourself that chance to, if you think you're going to fail, you're going to fail. If you think you're going to succeed, you might still fail, but you have a better chance at succeeding. So give yourself the chance. I think are my two biggest ones. Well, those are uh, two great pieces of advice. And of course, having a, a great mentor, I think would be would rank up there. You had one living in your own yeah, house. I did. And your dad. Yeah. And of course, uh, your mom. Now, your mom's going to be retiring soon. Yeah, right? she is. Yeah, she's excited. And she's moving away to Kentucky, though. I'm very upset. <laughs> I know. They bought a gorgeous plot. There's 15 acres on a lake. They've got horses and dogs and just kind of... You know, she's been here her whole life, essentially, and she's like, you yeah. know. So they're going to Kentucky. Maybe so, there's a cross-country course right around the property, yeah, perhaps. Yeah, I was or... looking in the woods last time I was there in February. So um, I think she's. I think she, I think she'll be back. My brother just got married. My sister's getting married in February. I'm like, she wants grand. She's been begging for grandkids for quite a while. I think she'll be back. Well, but... she has uh, several opportunities, it looks like, in the uh, Walker household. Yeah. <laughs> Our time has, has flown by, Erin. It did go all, by fast. Uh, it, it does. And I, and I shared with you earlier, it will. Yeah. You've covered a lot of ground. I so appreciate you coming yeah, in. Thanks uh, for having me. Any final thoughts that you would like to add? Um, go Lancers. <laughs> Absolutely. And Marauders and... Mills Mustangs? Mills Mustangs. Mills Mustangs, all of you guys. Do you know? Just Rancho's a great place. It really is. And I'm really honored to be part of the Hall of Fame and to do this with you and share my story and a little bit about me well, and my family. A, you're all right. It's a yeah. fabulous story. And, folks, that's a wrap. Thanks for listening. And thank you, Aaron, thank you. for coming in. Thanks, Appreciate Mike. it. Yeah, of course. Anytime. All right, folks. We'll see you next time on the Rancho Cordova Sports Edition of our podcast. Thank you. Thank you.